Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 335, covering Shockwave Part 2 and Carbon Creek. Hi, friends. We are starting the second of four seasons of Enterprise, so we're, we're getting there. In a way, we're getting real close to the end. Uh, I, in what way? Uh, in a, a completely different way that I am making up. Actually, if you look at the uh, entirety of Star Trek, we are very close to the, to oh, the end. Oh, definitely, yeah. Even if Discovery runs, like, the full seven seasons, which it may or may not, mm-hmm. like, we're still pretty damn close to the oh, yeah. end. We're definitely closer than those two morons who are like, let's watch The Cage and then talk about it. And then let's complain that we have to watch this great episode of Star Trek twice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, poor us. Uh-huh. I, I would kill to watch The Cage right Where, Where's my tiny fiddle? <laughs> tiny, <laughs> t- tiny Trip stole it. Yeah. Tiny Trip? Yeah, Tiny Trip is good. He's going to go to a tiny crossroads and t- challenge the tiny de- devil to a fiddle contest. All right. I mean, it should be a tiny violin when you're playing, like, sympathetic music. Well, no, the devil doesn't play the violin. The devil plays the fiddle. Well, yeah, and, and Trip definitely doesn't appreciate violin music. He appreciates a good fiddle. Yeah. It's not bad, but <laughs> like, it could be a fiddle. I mean, he actually, unironically, like, in not in the context of comedy, enjoys a hoedown. Uh-huh. Do, 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 yeah, do, that do, is a do, who's do, line do. game, but it's an actual real thing that like they do in his community. I like listening to fiddles. I listen every day. <laughs> Although at this point in the future, probably like classic, like classic music to him is like Kid Rock. Yep. In in Florida, uh, the national anthem is "Ba with the Ba." Oh, that's a. <laughs> you mean future Senator Kid Rock? Well, the state, the state anthem. Excuse me. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. So uh, that's that's the long road we got look look to look forward to. The long road getting from there to here. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Let's uh, let's let's pick, kick things off though with uh, the follow up to the uh, to the season premiere. Yeah, tell me about Shockwave Part Two. Last time on Enterprise. Wait, that wasn't Majel. That was just Scott Bakula. Did Majel not want any part of this show? I'm just going to assume this is the case, because I kind of love her and I kind of hate Enterprise. Anyway, last time a bunch of dumb temporal Cold War stuff happened, and the episode ended with Archer stranded in, like, the 30th century or something. I don't know, once you take things far enough into the future, you might as well just say he's in the 6 billion to 4th plus Google T1 century, because that makes about as much sense to me as anything at this point. And speaking of things that don't make sense, apparently the all-powerful time-traveling superhero Daniels... (coughs) Really? We're sticking with that name, huh? somehow caused the Federation never to have existed since he kidnapped Archer from the past. Even though time travel has never really worked like that on Star Trek before. But never mind that. Apparently they can just build a time machine out of whatever rubble is left on Earth because he did this sort of thing all the time back in high school. The future! Do you get it? Actually, what he says is, we can talk to the past, but we most definitely cannot travel back there. Even though the episode ends with him doing exactly this and not really clarifying how it suddenly became possible. But I get ahead of myself. Meanwhile, fuckity seven centuries (laughs) earlier, the Enterprise is being led to one of those Suleiman Nebula prisons, and everyone's locked in their rooms to think about what they've done, which I guess amounts to not knowing where Archer went. Trip, living up to the reputation set by every other Starfleet engineer before him, or technically after him, 
manages to hack the doorbell into a sort of comm device so he can call all his friends. Which feels like a very Matt's version of Trip thing to do, even if they're not planning an actual escape. But then the, tr the crew comes together in a pretty remarkable display of teamwork and managed to collectively die-hard the Suliban off the ship. Then Archer returns from the future, despite the thing I said before about it being impossible. Probably because tachyons or something? So the day is saved, but the Vulcans still want to cancel Enterprise's mission because uh, this one thing does not cancel out 26 weeks of Archer being kind of an asshole. And while that's a fair point, I still do not understand how or why they have the authority to do this. But T'Pol steps in and defends their stupid asses, and they are allowed to continue boldly sticking their dicks in things after all. Not only did this end up being the thing that ends up allowing them to stay, but Archer actually recognizes this and thanks her for it. Holy shit, I think we may have finally fixed one of my least favorite things about this show. Now if only we can keep the writers away from- No! No! Don't you touch that reset button! Bad writers! You leave this character growth intact and let this relationship evolve! Somebody get the newspaper. Hmm? Somebody get the newspaper. Why? To roll it oh, up and smack them. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was like, why is there news happening? Mm -hmm. Oh, right, of course. It's a weapon, of course. <laughs> Matt, who has a newspaper anymore? Yeah, what is... Come on. I mean, books. I only say this because it's cruel to hit your dog with an iPad. Well, that's a fair point. It's, it's also cruel to hit your dog. Yeah, don't hit your dog. Yeah, come on. I mean, yelling at them is bad enough. You see their little faces when yeah. you yell at them? You're listening to the Post-Atomic Horror, which firmly believes in not hitting people's dogs. Don't hit, don't, don't, be nice to dogs. Yeah. We like dogs. We are very pro-dog on this show. Yeah, why on earth would you be, would you be bad to a dog? Now, cats. I, I hope, <laughs> no, I like cats. Too, cats are that's, jerks. That's a separate thing. Uh, what happened to Porthos while the Suliban took over the ship, by the way? Speaking of dogs. He was also being uh, questioned. So was he being tortured? I hope not. Yeah, me too. They probably had like a bag, a box of biscuits that they wouldn't give to him. Oh, or cheese. That's they probably had cheese they didn't give him. Well, that's... I mean, they, what they didn't know was that's actually good. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Cheese is like uh, Popeye's spinach to Porthos. If he had it, he'd <laughs> kick the shit out of them. Uh, well, something with shit. All yes. the while barking barking in a weird mumble to himself. <laughs> that's a strange image. Right. And his, four, his four paws would swell up. They need to get like a little light rocket ship on them or something. Yeah, little little da, 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 dog da, da, pa da, da. Popeye, I assume. Yeah, except he has a nephew called that. Porthye. Yeah. Anyway, um, I liked about half of this episode. The other half was total garbage. I, I hated most of this. Like, really, you are absolutely right. The uh, the crew getting together to save the day together is pretty good. Like, that's some good action Star Trek. I'm a sucker for that in any Star Trek show where the entire ensemble does each does what they're best at. But the rest of this was dumb and boring and I hated it and I kept yelling at the TV. Well, that's fair. So did I. Just, but I mean, I, what I'm talking about, the stuff that I liked was a good 50% of the episode. It's not like it was a small subplot. I thought it was more like 15% of the episode. Nah, it's, it's just because the other stuff felt longer. It did. Anytime we're in the future with Archer and Daniels, Mm -hmm. Is so boring because it's all just Daniels wandering around muttering to himself about how he ruined everything and Archer yelling at him to for five seconds, please tell me what the hell is going on so I can get on with my job. And the writer's just hanging a lantern on the fact that none of this makes sense, having him say, uh, well, I can't really explain it to you because I don't understand it. Well, then that's not good storytelling. If no character knows what's going on and can therefore not relay that to the audience yeah. and it's just random bullshit... 
That's not good storytelling. That's Twin Peaks. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still mad about that. <laughs> Drive down no, this seriously. road for another 40 minutes. How about that? <laughs> well, it's been a long road. <laughs> a Driving very long road. Tri- yeah. No, seriously, though, Daniels, like, never understands what happened, never clarifies why they're doing anything. It's all just pointless. No, he just sort of wanders around the post-apocalyptic wasteland, just being all like, this shouldn't be like this. Oh, man, what have I done? Also, I called this out in my summary, but has time travel ever worked this way in Star Trek, where if you take if someone travels to the future, the whole timeline changes because they're not in the past where they should be? I don't remember that ever happening. Yeah, that uh, maybe that maybe in that one sense. original series, maybe in that one original series episode where they picked up that guy who was going to be an astronaut. Well, the other thing actually- we don't go to the future a whole lot is the thing. I guess that's true. Like we're always going to the past in Star Trek. Yeah, this makes sense. And usually when we're there, we don't see the future like the future we left behind. Right. No, I. So we might just not have done this before. That's true. Uh, it just didn't feel. Like, it made sense. No, I agree. Like, I, like, I have a pretty good grasp on how time travel is supposed to work in this universe, having watched 700 episodes of the show at yeah. this point. But I, it didn't, it just didn't feel right. No, it's still dumb. It just, it might just be dumb because we think it's dumb. Yeah. Well, it is dumb. It is. It's very dumb. We don't understand anyone's motives at all. No. Like, everything that's happening is because of this temporal Cold War, which we say a million times doesn't make sense, and I maintain that. But everyone is pawns of mysterious greater forces that we don't understand what they're doing. So none of this makes sense and none of it matters because all of our characters are just reacting to other people's stuff. stuff. They don't understand and nobody will explain to them because the writers right. have decided that w- this is the big mystery that's yeah, going to keep us all super invested. And it just like, it just feels like people, like people we don't care about, like pushing our guys around. Yeah. And I'm starting to get invested in quite a few of these characters, but if you take away their agency yeah. and it's all just them reacting to some bigger thing that we don't even know what it is, mm. who cares? Whereas oh, yeah. I, other Star Trek shows have done this and it works. Like you got a clear sense in Deep Space Nine that the prophets were manipulating things to make Cisco do certain things. Oh, yeah. But they always made it very clear to us that that was the case. Mm-hmm. And Cisco was aware of this, had a fair understanding of at least what was happening, if not why. Mm. Like he still felt like a guy who was in control, even if he wasn't completely in control. Yeah, he These might not have known what not. was going on, but he always, like, he was always, like, you couldn't force him to do stuff. Right. These guys are all just, yeah, they're just being moved around a board. Yeah. This is bullshit. This is dumb, and I hate it. Yeah, me too. And I, I'm so done with Tube Man. Tube Man. Mm-hmm. You, the, you mean the, the bad guy, the boss of the... Of the, the, the you made a great point this week. And well, it, this is this is my bad thing. Yeah. But we'll like uh, so my my basic bad thing. This will bring us back to Tube Man of the Sulaban. Uh-huh. This is a nice little nice little rhymey thing, by the way. And the Sulaban are lame. Like setting aside the temporal Cold War aspect and just focusing on these guys and what they get up to. They're these ridiculous cartoon villains with no obvious motive beyond we're bad guys. Yet yeah, you have like uh, you have like the main guy in this episode, right? And he's, yeah, he's like, man. he's like, oh, you mean the main henchman? Yeah, not not the not the not tube guy, but like mm-hmm. the 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 angriest Sulaban guy. Yeah, who is like he's like the guy you know who's got a name, right? Mm-hmm. He's not the main bad guy, but he's like Beast Man or something. Yeah, and then you've got a bunch of like faceless, identical like henchmen dudes, like like yeah, Adventure Brothers. Yeah, 
And then and then Tube Man, who's just, you must destroy Archer. Yeah. Yes, my lord, we will destroy Archer. Like, that's it. That is the entire thing. Yeah, and then when they fail to destroy Archer, they say, you d- failed to destroy Archer. You've displeased me. Next time, Archer. Next it's time. just... Like, there's no subtlety. Like, they did that one episode in the prison camp where we're supposed to feel like, oh, okay, at least these guys are, like, human. Mm. You know, like, it's humanized. But that didn't work because that's not the Suliban we see most of the time. Yeah. All of these guys seem exactly the same. Yeah. It seemed like they bought a, bunch, a couple of expansion packs. <laughs> Here you go. You'll guy. be uh, the, 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 the tides of war. Yeah. But then, you know, the, the, the tube man. Yeah. There's nothing there. Just he's, a, he's, just a sort of a outline of a dude in a tube. Yeah, he's Dr. Claw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just Dr. Claw. Bring me Archer. Yep. Next time. Soon, all of Star Trek will bow before tube man. Uh-huh. Whatever. And I See, will win least... the temporal Cold War. Man, I'm spouting off a lot of dumb bullshit. Yeah, well, dumb bullshit is what this is all about. Mm. But my good thing, like I already said, I am a sucker for the entire crew working together toward a common goal in any trick series. And these guys collectively dieharding their way out of the Suliban situation was pretty great. Yeah. It's it's good to see each of them do what they're best at to escape or in Hoshi's case, overcoming her crippling uh, uh, claustrophobia because she's mm-hmm. the smallest one yep. to be able to crawl through some some Jeffrey's tubes and get to where they need to go up to and including Malcolm's be- like the best thing. The thing he's best at is getting punched in the face. Well, the great thing about Malcolm punching Malcolm in the face is as much as you punch him in the face, his face is still going to look stupid and beat up. So. That is the second best thing about Malcolm. Battle damage Malcolm looks exactly like regular Malcolm. The first best thing about Malcolm getting punched in the face is he completely deserves it. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. Hit him again. I I liked all that, though. I legit did. There was some good character stuff. There were some nice moments, except Mm -hmm. your bad thing. Yep. So, after Hoshi saves the day by crawling through a hole or something, um, she she falls through, like... She crawls out and snags her shirt on a hook, and it whip, whips her shirt off, so she ends up in Malcolm's quarters with no shirt on. And it's uh-huh. it's really dumb. The thing is, I like, because it was actually pretty tense, it was shot pretty well, and Hoshi was like, oh, I can't, guys, I have overcome so much stuff this year, do I really have to crawl through a bunch of tubes? I just, I can't. Yeah. All right, I guess I have to. I guess, okay, I'm going to do this. And she does it, and it's great. And then she she finally makes it out, and one slightly undignified thing happens, which if she dro- if if no one saw it, or if she dropped in to Paul's quarters or something, would have been actually kind of funny. Like yeah. I saw where it could be funny, but no, the creepy guy. It's got to be like, the gross, oh. the ship's gross sex creep. Oh, your boobs, hello. And it's just another example of of Enterprise's gross sexiness. Like it does this all yeah. the time, and I'm getting real sick of it. They shouldn't have played it remotely sexy. They should have played it as, oh, man, she did all that stuff. And then this one thing happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, oops, I, I fell in Porthos poop or whatever. Yep. You know, like, it didn't have to be a sexy thing at all. They do this again. It, like, after uh, after T'Pol gets tortured, there's this scene where she's, like, recovering in her quarters. And mm-hmm. they're playing, the, like, she's wearing a tank top and, her like, her her tights. And it's just, it's like, this is well, really a crop gross. tank top. We always see her navel. Yeah. For some reason, that's just like why does he, why do you always have to? Do, I mean, I know why you always have to do this Star Trek because you think it's hot, and it's not. Yeah. It's really upsetting. Yeah, it is. It's not great. 
Uh, but did you manage to find a good thing? Yeah, I like the the modular ball ships that the Sulaban fly around in. Have I used this one before? Who cares? Oh, you really didn't like this one, huh? Nope. That's fair enough. It's real dumb. I like I say I liked all the 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 crew working together stuff. The archer stuff I could not care less about. Yeah. At all. But all the crew working together stuff I liked. And at the end, to Paul saving their asses, giving a speech where she's like, you know what? Half the stuff you're a- accusing them of, they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Some of it was because we Vulcans are kind of dicks. Yep. And some of it was just natural mistakes that they'll grow out of. Like, give mm-hmm. them a little bit of a break. And like, yeah, all right, good. I like that a lot. I will say this. Um, I, pr- I think I mentioned this last week, but I wanted to touch on it again. No one in this show gives a flying fuck that 35,000 people got killed on that planet last week. I mean, everyone is was, really just really worried that they're going to get fired. Last episode, Archer sulked in his quarters the whole time. And mm-hmm. I remember somebody saying he needs to get over it and, and suck it up and get back to work. And it's like, well, OK, you can't have it both ways on this show. Though. Yeah. Either everyone mopes around being sad or everyone like sucks it up and does something, but, you know. I think we might have done. We we may have accidentally killed thirty five thousand people. Well, it was an accident. I'd like to go back to work tomorrow. I feel fine about this. I think I think Trip in particular. I think his thing was, how can we prove that we didn't do it mm. if we just have to go back home? Yeah, it's it's less losing his job and more. I know we didn't do this. I want to figure out what happened, and all you're doing is sending us to our room. That's bullshit. Detective Trip in the case of the thirty five thousand dead colonists. So I want to get my deer stalker. Also, there was some good trip stuff this week. I'm surprised you didn't point any of that out. That's true. It was like uh, him hacking into the doorbell. I thought it was awesome. Malcolm. Malcolm, it's me, Trip. I'm disguised as your doorbell. <laughs> don't tell the Sula. <laughs> don't tell the Sula Van. Hey, your Amazon order's here. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed all that. And like, he's the one mouthing off to those guys when they're yep. on the bridge. A guy waves a gun at him and he freaks out and pushes him over. Yeah. Trip. Don't you point that thing at me. Get Trip, that out calm down. Face. I don't like to be touched. <laughs> yep. And then Malcolm's just sort of sidles up. Oh, I do. Hello. Ugh. Are we grabbing yeah. people's shoulders over here? Well, you could start at the shoulders and work your way down. I don't think we've met. I'm Malcolm Reed and I'm saucy. Ugh. Yeah, we all know who you are, grossy. Ugh. I just threw up in my mouth for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot I didn't like, but there was, like I say, a lot that I liked. Mm. Um, you did have sort of a supplemental bad thing, also. Oh, did I not talk about how much I hate Daniel's the smug future moron? You talked about it a bit, but we could certainly go more into that. Oh man, he's the worst. Okay, like just following Archer around, and go. Don't do this. Don't do that. I'm wrapped mm-hmm. in duct tape. And everything uh, sparkly duct tape. Let's be clear. Yes, he's got the most annoying smug future man thing ever. Like, well, we've come so much further than you'll ever realize. But he's also an idiot who doesn't know how anything works. He spends. Oh, I time traveled and time travel messed things up. How could I have seen this coming? I don't understand. I took you into the future and ruined things somehow. God, I'm dumb. Also, all the fucking baiting us with like. There should be a statue here of, well, I better not say you, but it's you. <laughs> Ugh. Don't. And at one point, Archer finds a book that says the Romulans, and Art and uh, Daniel's like, no, we better not be reading that. Yeah, because that would be interesting show. That's just the show saying, nope, never mind the Romulans. Let's do this instead. The thing that bugs me about that is that it it 
if this like if this weren't Star Trek, there's no reason that Archer would pick that book up. Yeah, like he's in a, no, he's in a giant library full of hundreds yeah. of thousands of books. And he just grabs the one thing that's a reference to something. Yeah. So no, like, it doesn't make any sense for the character. It's just there as a as a shout out to us. And and it, the, but again, the the nature of the shout out is looking directly into the camera and say, "We won't be talking about that." Yeah. Like it's not even a fun little nod to something. It's just a nah, never mind. That's yeah. the thing you all thought you were showing up for, but we'll do some stupid bullshit instead. Yeah, you know how much I want to see them fight Romulans instead of the Suliban, the worst guys. Way more. Sorry. The thing is, we we talked about this throughout all the other series. The Romulans need something. Mm-hmm. They were never quite there. The Cardassians end up being much better Romulans. Yeah. And this show would be the perfect place to finally flesh them out and make them cool. Oh, yeah. Like, there were a handful of cool Romulan episodes through the original. and Well, the original uh, series was really the only one that did the Romulans great. Yeah, but they showed up, like, twice. Yeah, they did, but everything they showed, like, when they showed up, it was cool, and it made you want to see more stuff with them. Yeah, and Next Gen did a few good ones, too. Yeah, but but they spent most of their time whizzing them down their leg. It was like, I think it was like season three or four where like, uh, they were really building them up to be something cool and they were around for a while and yeah, uh, then they got Tomalak was it. showing up a lot and then something else happened. And then they decided to make Tasha Yar head Romulan and that was a bad yeah. decision. Yeah, that's when it all started to fall apart. Exactly. Yeah. But, and then they had a couple of good showings in DS9. But for one of the main Star Trek races, like we've gotten a fraction of what we've gotten with the Klingons or, or even the Ferengi at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, there should be more Romulans and they should we should be seeing how cool they are yeah and this show would be the perfect place to do that where the original romulan war supposedly happened yeah but instead nothing never mind yeah yeah whatever it's fine it's not it's dumb boring and terrible it's dumb and i hate it i still again i would give this episode a solid like five out of ten like it wasn't amazing but there was enough to like about it that it didn't completely you know yeah, I no. This would get seem- three out of ten. Three Star Treks out of ten. That's fair. I feel like we should be talking more about this one, but I don't have anything else. Oh, the problem is not a whole lot. There's a oh, lot of I, running around. I actually, I wanted to call out special, uh, uh, T'Pol was really good in this episode, I thought. Oh, yeah. There's at least one of our regular guests mm-hmm. one, who says that she's not good at acting, and I disagree. Um... No, he's not the only one. I'm I'm being a jerk. Uh, I al- I also did I, until recently thought she wasn't good at acting. No, she. There's a lot of like subtle lying. Mm-hmm. Like they keep torturing her and asking her, "Is is Captain Archer time traveling?" And she's like, "The Vulcan Science Council says time travel is impossible." And it's just great because she's not lying, but she's clearly not giving them what they want either. It's just it, I like that a lot, and mm-hmm. I think the actor really sells it. I think she does a great job of like maintaining that Vulcan exterior while also being a little shaken. Yeah. But not giving... Like, there's a lot going on there. And her uh, impassioned speech at the end. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot. It does it way better than Archer's impassioned speech, which oh, is... Oh, yeah. No, and, it, and his his speech, like, fell on its ass. Mm-hmm. Like, that wouldn't have been enough. Her speech is what rescued them. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, and again, there's that scene at the end where he comes to her quarters. Actually, a genuinely cute moment between them. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, you know what? Your speech is what pushed us over the top. You are the reason we are still out here, and you convinced them that we should still be out here. Mm-hmm. And she makes a joke, which usually the humans don't recognize and give her credit for. Oh, yeah. She sa- she's, As he's leaving, she says, time travel's still impossible. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, I know. 
<laughs> and it's cute. It's genuinely yeah. like, I hope these guys keep this going, where he now is trying to meet her halfway, and she has been doing that the whole time, and she just continues to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anything else? I had a point, and I forgot it now. Sorry. That's fine. I had a lot to say about T'Pol. I, I didn't mean to, like... <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> All right, screw it. Okay, you got an alternate title? Uh, yes. Uh, Dumb Boring Crap Wave Part 2. That's the Crappening. <laughs> I went with Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future 2, Rise of the Sparkly Daniels. <laughs> Shout out to Aqua Teen Hunger Force there. Hey, you got a bad case of Sparkly Daniels going on here. Oh, man. My Daniels are all sparkly. <laughs> I got a salve that'll clear that right up. <laughs> uh, my quote yes. pretty much uh, speaks for all of us. <laughs> When I saw him last, your captain spoke of a temporal cold war. What was he talking about? So that happened. So say we all. So that's the other show. Yeah. It's a better show. (laughs) All right. Moving on to an episode that I was surprised to like and then delighted to find that Matt also liked. Uh, Carbon Creek. Tell us what happened in that one. All right, so to celebrate Paul's one-year anniversary of joining the crew and our year-and-one episode anniversary of watching season one, Archer Paul and Catfish Charlie set a, sp- set, a, set a spell for a meal and a yarn. The yarn in question is about Paul's great-grandmother and her team, who crash-landed on Earth in the 50s, right about when the atomic bomb created Bob from Twin Peaks. I think. I think that's what happened. So Granny and her two sidekicks, Moe and, um... Jimmy, set up shop at a local diner and go all coneheads on 50s culture. Mo hates it, Granny tolerates it, and Jimmy has earth-fucking-fever. He loves all the quintessential American things like baseball, mining, and passionless kisses from neighbors. <laughs> so when the Vulcan homeworld finally discovers our guys are missing, they send a rescue ship, but Jimmy stays behind because he likes it so much. Also, Vulcans invented Velcro, so I guess Men in Black is in continuity with Star Trek, which is fine. Is that a Men in Black? I think so, yeah. Oh, all right. Two things I learned from Men in Black. Michael Jackson is an alien, and aliens invented Velcro. All right. Well, the interesting... Well, not very interesting, but a little bit interesting. They named one of the... the, That Vulcan, the guy who, like, uh, invented Velcro, after the real-life inventor of Velcro. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. I don't remember it. I don't have it right in front of me, but that's that was kind of cool, I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's when they're trying to make money... Yeah. Near the end. It's like, well, it can invent a thing they don't have yet. Uh, this this probably won't hurt them. I like I, li- I like uh, them inventing Vel- Velcro just because when you think about it, it's such a weird thing. Yeah. Also, but the I've heard the story of the guy who invented it. Mm-hmm. It's just he got like a like a burr stuck in his, you know, clothes. He's like, hey, that really sticks. Maybe if I made a thing that did that on purpose. That definitely sounds like something someone would have made up because a Vulcan gave them Velcro. I, yeah, it could be. But I, I don't know. I also like the way that plays out mm-hmm. because you, she's got this. Um, it's 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 the T'Pol character. It's not T'Pol. It's her grandmother or whatever. Yeah, but granny. it's Jolene Blaylock playing her. Um, yeah, Granny. Granny, granny and her and her tiny bird and her cat. Right. And her dog sometimes, I guess. <laughs> and and the uh, the cat named you. Yes. Like, that's a different granny. <laughs> but she's got this whole like satchel full of complex like Vulcan stuff and like, ooh, what's she gonna what's she gonna have invented? This this could get ugly. It's like, and then it's it's actually the satchel mm-hmm. that she shows the guy. Like, no, this part. This is this is innocuous. And I like that. I I like the the light tone of this episode. Yeah. Like 
and I'm surprised because not a lot of Star Trek stuff happens in it. I was surprised you liked it. You you tend to not care for the ones that don't take place. I mean, the know, thing is, it's a very Star Trek episode. It's just not very Enterprise. Well, no, because these Vulcans are likable. Mm-hmm. Like they're also they have different personalities. Each one of them has yeah. a different per. Like they're not all exactly the same, and one they're not them, all mad all the time. No, one of them is like that. One of them is a standard and standard issue Enterprise Vulcan who just doesn't like humans, doesn't want to be there. Well, that's because they then, kept making fun of his hair. Uh, well, yeah. And then T'Pol's uh, ancestor is like in the middle. Yeah. Where she's like, ah, I, can, I see your point, but I also see the point of this guy who it, just wants to fuck all these humans. It's like, look, this is fine, but we're not supposed to be here. We should get out of here. Yeah. And it's cool because each of them through that, mm. it gives them different things to do, different ways to react. So we're not just seeing the same character times three. Yeah. And I like that a lot. And I particularly like, this is my good thing. I like that one Vulcan dude a lot. Jimmy. Like, yeah, sure. Jimmy. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Velcro. This show needs more sympathetic Vulcans. It absolutely it, does. It's good to show subtle shades of them. Uh, but I like that he got what we're about and tried to understand it. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, hey, these guys are like, he's like an anthropologist or whatever. He's like, I get it. This isn't our thing. We're not like this, but it's kind of cool. These guys are like this. I, I also love that he just disappeared. Like, yeah, he stayed on Earth. Yeah. And just, but like, like, uh, T'Pol talks about how, like, yeah, no, they, they, they never found him. Like, he could have oh, lived, yeah. like, another hundred and... I think she, she says 180 years. He might have... He, it's possible he could have been alive when uh, Zephram Cochran showed up. Yeah. Is, uh, Memory Alpha pointed that out. Like, given Vulcan lifespans and what we know, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. He could have still been around when Zephram Cochran showed up. <laughs> just, uh... Just when nobody's looking, he just sort of uh, walks out walks out of the, the forest and, like, up onto the ship. Just whistling yeah, just, to himself. Like, sneaks into the Vulcan ship. Hey, guys, I was here the whole time. Hey! Yeah. No, I liked it a lot. And I like, like, this is the same thing I said about that Vulcan ambassador lady a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. When you have Vulcans who aren't just rigid, humorless dicks, you can still play the full logic thing. You can still do all that with and keep them Vulcans, but give them some subtlety. Make them yeah. not hate humans and, and don't just make them all sort of robotic, like, ugh, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I like that guy a lot. Yeah, he's he's gr- like I like. There's like a there's like a scene where they have to like uh, like there's a mind collapse or something, right? And he rushes back to the 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 ship to get like some future crap that'll save all these people. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, "What are you doing? We're interfering with their culture." And he's like, "We're not interfering. We're helping these people." Well, and that's a very Star Trek thing. Yeah. That's a, Okay, yeah, the prime directive says don't interfere, but on the other hand, like the, people, this isn't going to change people. this isn't going to change how their culture evolves. This is just going to help like no, as these long as, people. As long as we don't get discovered with the ray guns we're using to help them. Mm-hmm. The point is n- that they don't die. Yeah. We need just need to be careful is all. Yeah, and like like you said, this is very Star Trek idea. This episode is very Star Trek. And it's it's so much like when Star Trek does this right, which is about half the time, mm-hmm. when they actually point out why humans are great and don't just be smug about it, yeah. like the best way is like this, where you have an outsider that doesn't, I don't know, are humans great looking at them? Hey, yeah, they kind of are. Yeah. That's the best way to, to, to show that. Yeah. Show don't tell. No, and I went into this expecting it to be it was like one of my it notes. Felt like just, that, it, it felt like that Voyager episode with uh, with Kate's ancestors. Yeah, exactly. Or which um, you didn't care for. Like... <laughs> The the first thing that pops in my mind is like, oh god, are you guys doing Little Green Men again? Yeah, well, yeah, I thought I thought that. Like, Apparently I was so were... ready to hate this episode, but like, it actually works really well. 
I think so. I mean, it's a little contrived. Of course it is, but like... Um, I think it was Flonk uh, uh, live tweeting, watching this the other day, mm. saying, really, Sputnik is the reason they would have come? Like, just one little satellite is the whole reason they would have come here to look at us? And fair point. Well, that was the first thing that that we launched, right? Like, I'm not wrong. It was. That, yeah. that is the first actual satellite that we successfully launched. Yeah, no, that I can totally see uh, the Vulcans. But who... is, that a th- is that a thing they would have noticed, though? I mean, if they were in the area, maybe. Yeah. Just, just like, seems... oh, here's a, here, here's a primitive culture that... J- that their fir- did their first space thing. Let's uh, let's give it a yeah. quick check. You know, we we can get this uh, checked off our list and uh, worry about it later. See if this goes anywhere. Well, the, also, I imagine that then goes in their database for if they're watching for us uh, discovering warp. Mm. It's like okay, well, they have made it the first step into space, so they are on on track. Like it might take another fifty, hundred, two hundred, whatever years to get to warp, but now yeah. they're on the list. They're they, we need to keep a closer eye on these guys because they're getting there. But also, you know, if you live that long, like that's the kind of like okay, this could be a thing in like a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. I'll have to come back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I get that. Write that down. Um, they put a football in space. Good work. Yeah, basketball. But excuse me. That is every description I've read of, of Sputnik for years and years and years. Always says basketball is why I'm like, that's why I'm being a little pedantic about that. Because for a long time, I just pictured a basketball in space. Because <laughs> it's this, about the size of a basketball and it's round. So everyone just kept saying, well, a basketball. But it, come on, it's not a basketball. No. Not everything is sports, damn it. <laughs> this is, let the nerds have this one. Uh-huh. Oh, you guys put a basketball in space? No. No. We put no. a Death Star in space. A tiny Russian- Death Star. Russian fucking brilliant engineers put this in mm. space, which is great. Nice basketball, Russia. Also, uh, that is what got us off our asses. Yeah, like they had to they had to go to uh, Eisenhower and say, uh, the, "The people are a little scared." And he's like, "What? Why?" Well, because the Russians can put stuff in orbit, which means maybe next they could put missiles up there or something. He's like, oh, shit. Okay, All right, why don't um, you have billions of dollars to put us in space? Then? Uh-huh. How about that? But before that, it just wasn't a priority. America, not that interested in space. And unless the other guys got something. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You call me when there's oil up there. Uh-huh. Take, take that, oil. Ugh. Anyway, no, I liked... There wasn't a lot of actually... Um, <laughs> Uh, social commentary about how bad the 50s were or how bad humans were, which is no. there's a little bit here and there. Uh-huh. But generally speaking, it was pretty, you know, it, it was mostly from the perspective of these guys are a little primitive, but still pretty cool. Yeah. And I like that. And I liked, there's a lot of comedy staging. Like, there's a lot of them sitting around watching TV that just looked very sitcom-y to me. The the apartment or whatever they're staying in looked like a sitcom set to me. I like uh, Jimmy having to get home in time to watch I Love Lucy. Yeah. And, uh, Which a Vulcan would think was funny. I guess. I mean, I, I appreciate it as part of comedy history, but I personally do not find it mm. funny. It's a good yeah, reference yeah. if you uh, believe the uh, Lucille Ball saves Star Trek thing, which I recently learned isn't true. Yeah, it's not true. Yeah. I mean, Desilu, it's still a, a, an interesting story about Desilu and all that. Sure. Like, but uh, she personally didn't give a fuck about yeah. Star Trek. But it's a sweet story, like in um, uh, These Are the Voyages, which is that super, super comprehensive book about the original series. Mm-hmm. There's there's actually, like, just the formation of Desilu is sweet. Like, they bought uh, RKO, which made Citizen Kane and a bunch of stuff, and went out of business. And they bought, So it had all these, like, movie-quality standing sets. Mm-hmm. 
as part of like so TV suddenly got better because <laughs> they bought this great movie quality yeah. plot that was already built. Um, but they they bought it. Uh, uh, Lucy and Desi Arnaz bought it so they could be together. Yeah, they so, wanted they wanted something they could work on together, right? Yeah, and that yeah. was just sweet. Yeah, like the again, like you just said, the stories about Lucille Ball like getting behind Star Trek and saving it. Not true. Yeah. The initial story of how they started the studio that, that produced Star Trek. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was sweet. And when they got divorced, she's like, I'll just sell the company. I guess this is the whole point of this was to hang out with my, my husband and mm-hmm. uh, can't do that anymore. So who cares? Sorry. I guess I should be doing this. For us, <laughs> you know? Which feeds into my Lucille ball as a Dalek uh, <laughs> theory. One of our oldest uh, and one of my most favorite jokes. Yeah, it's a good joke. Um, anyway, yeah, this is uh, this was a quite good episode, yeah. I thought. And almost not like none of the Enterprise characters, like Archer and Trip, were in the the frame story. Mm. But nobody. Else and we was should in say, uh, to Paul plays uh, her well, grandmother yeah. Yeah, with a wig. Does. Also, I do like they kind of imply that she might have been fucking with them. Yeah, I like that too. Like, maybe some of the details aren't exactly how she said. Like, she at the end, this part bugged me a little bit. At mm-hmm. the end, she goes to her quarters and pulls out this, I guess it's a purse. Yeah. That her ancestor had. And it's like, okay, Vulcans would not keep sentimental things. And she would not go and touch a sentimental thing to remind her of no, it. No, and that she would not, so... it, there's no reason that it would be on the ship either. Like, it's right. not a thing she would bring with her. That is true. But also, there's no reason she would then pull it out after having told the story. Because that so implies an emotional yeah like, that just doesn't feel right well the only reason she does it is to show it to us basically yeah you know i know i know and there's I don't like it it just doesn't feel right there's much better there's much better less like tacky ways to do that i actually like leaving it at maybe she's fucking with them mm-hmm. but star trek can't have it like that no. just like the secret origin of the klingons foreheads episodes we're going to be getting yeah well the, ner- the nerds want the, the nerds would be demanding to know Look, we're nerds too, but we're not that kind of nerd. No, we're a better class of nerd. I've often said that about myself. They're having... They're, I don't know about that. We're just a different class of nerd. I'm not going to say better. I'm better. I mean, other pe- better than other all people, of you. Other people could say that, sure, but I and I wouldn't contradict them, but I wouldn't say <laughs> Um, No, I liked... Like, cause what they're having their captain's, you know, dinner in the captain's table, which I still like. I mm. still like that as a device. That is an interesting thing. We did it a little bit in Voyager, but we're doing it a little differently in, in this show. And I like it. Mm. It's, it's very like naval traditiony to me. Um, but trips like, you know what? We've become f- more friendly now. Why don't you tell us a story and spin us a yarn like my granny used end, to do at the end. She's like, uh, he's like, that can't possibly be true. There's so many reasons that can't be true. She's like, well, you told me to tell you a story. Yeah. And that's like, she's fucking, she's got this subtle way of fucking with them and lying and stuff that I don't think people always appreciate. Like, she's like, I don't know. You asked me to lie to you, so I lied to you. Mm-hmm. What do you want? <laughs> I like that. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, what was your good thing? Uh, I think mo- mostly just like I could watch these guys on Earth all day. Yep. Like, I would watch the Three Vulcans Strand on Earth TV show, which I believe I was called Third I... Rock from the Sun. <laughs> that's true. I don't know that there's a whole series in it. I mean, I guess that show did it pretty well, but... Uh... Um, I will say this. Um, for having... Like, I was thinking about this while I was watching the episode. Um, we kind of have the episode where, like, these 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 guys, like, land on the planet and are sort of experience, you know, that humans are pretty good. 
I'm watching it and I'm like, it's the 50s. I, I wonder if we, you know, if we had had like a black Vulcan in there, like how different this episode would have been. I think like that's an interesting way to take it. And I'm glad they didn't in this case. Mm. That that would have been a good, you know, interesting like uh, thing to throw in there. But I, I kept expecting them to experience like horrible bigotry or sexism or whatever. And, and they didn't. And I think that's because that wasn't the point of this particular episode. Yeah, no. And uh, I mean, it's like I said, this is a fine episode. It does great. But yeah. I mean, again, like it does feel like they're playing it a little safe by just having all three of them be white. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, this show doesn't do that. well. No, it doesn't. And that would have kind of ruined it. I think, mm. I think choosing to play it light this time was probably wise because when like, this show does not have a uh, uh, far beyond the stars in it. No, it does not. Like that can be done right in Star Trek, but it's got to be real great. Mm-hmm. And usually it's not. Yeah. Also, far beyond the stars had dealt with racism in the 50s mm-hmm. specifically. So maybe they also like maybe somebody said, you know what? I, th- I feel like not on that show I watched because I don't watch this one, but uh, <laughs> not on the did this w- one of the best episodes of the best Star Trek. No, of course not. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what was your bad thing? Uh, yeah. Um, so we get a full-on silhouette of T'Pol's grandmother uh, changing, and it just—they uh, do the—they do the classic comedy thing where like laundry is hanging, yeah, and she's behind the changing screen, which in this case is a sheet hanging on the laundry. Yeah, it's like every time Bruce Banner needs to, needs a shirt. Yeah. But, like, they steal the laundry, and she's changing behind a sheet, and there's just, like, a full-on lingering shot of her silhouetted boobs. Very lingering. And it's just like, seriously, stop it. Oh, no. What made it worse Mm -hmm. was that happens, and then she comes out, and they're like, you got your shirt on backwards. So she goes back and does it a second time. Uh Uh-huh. And by the way, like, she's not a moron. She knows how clothes work. It's such such an easy joke, and that, like, that dress does not look like... You would put it on that way. Eh, I get, I get. They they're trying to adjust. Like it's shorthand for they're trying to adjust to you know Earth stuff. But it's dumb and shut when up. It, when it sets up the exploitation bit, yeah, that's when it's like, okay, stop it, just stop it. You know, you can be sexy without being sexy. I don't like, think Star Trek does know that. Yeah, they do. Seven of Nine looked sexy. Okay, well, Enterprise like definitely doesn't know that. No, Enterprise doesn't. But I'm saying it's possible. To have a character who is sexy without just oozing sex and doing close-ups of their, like, subtleties all the time. Yeah, no. <laughs> Subtleties. Ugh. No, Enterprise is just, just week after week of Rick Berman drooling. Yeah, I mean, two examples here in two episodes. Yep. Like, it just keeps happening. Hey, boobs! Yeah. This is a sexy one. Ugh. Stop it. Go to your room. I. But on the other hand, the dude who has... A uh, human fever. Uh huh. Who I assume must be an ancestor of Sarek. Well, I can't imagine that. Like every like, there's got to be more than one Vulcan who's into humans, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I Two, as far as I know. Sarek's dad. Uh huh. No, it's like there's certain uh, English dudes who just have a thing for American women. It reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. John Cleese will only marry American women, and he's married like eight of them or something. No, Wait, was like what's her face from still. was what's her face from Faulty Towers American? No, no, no. Well, maybe she was. I don't remember. But he's got this whole shtick now. Uh-huh. Where he's like, he only dates and marries. It might be only in the last, like, 20 years or something. But he's made a whole thing out of that. That's okay. what A Fish Called Wanda was basically about uh, an exotic American shows up and, and blows all, like, all this English crap out of the water. Sure. Like, 
Americans hot, you know, and that's, that's his thing. All right. And I just imagine Sarek and, and other Vulcans being like that. <laughs> Say. Yep. Um, my bad thing. I, you know, we shouldn't concentrate too much on this stuff. And it, and it does get into that area of nerd stuff that we don't care that much about. Mm. But these dudes right out of the gate just speak perfect English. And shouldn't you at least have just said we have a universal translator? Yeah, or something? no, you, you're, you're not wrong. They just walk into a store and perfectly start conversing and do not draw any attention to themselves. And it's like this show in particular has been making really good use of the fact that they don't all speak alien languages. I've said this before. Yeah. Like, Hoshi does some great on the spot translating and there's a lot of weird nuance about other alien languages and stuff. And it's cool. Mm-hmm. And then they, these guys first time on earth, only been studying them for a little while, just speak perfect English. It doesn't, doesn't really fit work. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, no, it would just be, it'd be real easy to just, yeah, we analyze their life. Like they're even like, they've been studying the planet. Like, yeah, but not. We could easily know. have have them say, "Yeah, no, we figured out the language now." Yeah, we watched enough. Uh, I love Lucy or whatever to to figure it out, and every third word is "wah, Ricky." We've learned the Earth tradition of shoving chocolates into our shirts. <laughs> no, what happens is one of them, whenever they say a thing, they pause for five minutes while the other two laugh hysterically. Uh huh. That's how that works. Yeah. Uh, what else? Big Lucy fan, aren't you, Al? Uh, not so much. No, I, that, that's just sitcoms in general. Again, I recognize her her uh, value to the uh, to the history of comedy, to women in comedy. Uh-huh. I just don't I don't personally find her funny. That's mm-hmm. that's fair. It, it's it's very old vaudeville slapstick, and a lot of uh, oh women can't do this. Sure. <laughs> I used to watch it with my grandma. It was like the only thing in the universe she thought was funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think it was the only funny show on TV at the time. So that's, that's true. Probably part of it. And for older people, you know, that's all there is. Everything else is just news, right? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, Groucho's game show was on at that. Oh, point, that's so true. Yeah. That so it was. It was that Groucho and constant news reports about uh, the Cold War. No, and nonstop westerns. Uh, oh God, that's right. Just wall to wall westerns mm-hmm. all the time. Bad Star- westerns. Too. Starring DeForest Kelly. Some of, yes. Uh, most of the Star Trek guys showed up in Westerns at some point or another. Because that's all there was on TV before that. Uh, what else? Uh. Looking at my notes, of which there are like three. Hmm. That's pretty much all I got. Uh, oh, one thing I liked that they did, that it looked like I was about to get pissed off at it. There was this kid in the town that they were staying in. Yeah. Who was like really good like a really smart kid and wanted to go to college and couldn't afford it. And mm. the whole town was trying to come together and save money and they just couldn't save enough. And that's why they, the Vulcans before the end, like, um, uh, invented Velcro. Oh, that's because right. Yeah. There was, there was a whole trend back in those days of being an inventor. Like that was a whole thing. And yeah. companies would just buy your idea, like right on the spot. And so they wanted this kid, like they had, they had formed enough of a bond with this kid that they wanted him to go to college. Mm. And I, I was certain he was going to end up being someone who would turn out to be famous. Yeah. Because that's how Star Trek time travel episodes roll, and I was about to get really upset about it, and he wasn't. He and was that just man's name kid. was Albert Einstein or something. Yeah, he was going to be some kid who would end up being important to the space program or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, because no one on Earth can ever make any accomplishment without, like, alien help. Yeah. But no, it turns out it was just some kid that 
they liked and wanted to help. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad they did that. Yeah, way better than just... Yeah, but you know, like, when in uh, Times Arrow, when they met, uh, it was a Jack London. Yeah. And uh, that's just one, the, the most immediate example that comes to mind, but there are others. Well, there's that alien who was, like, every person that... Like... Well, there's there's that, but I mean, specifically in a time travel episode. Yeah. Where you meet a young person who goes on to be a, an important person. Yeah, they, they love that that gag. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't because I was. I, it felt like it felt like that must have been in the script because it's always in the script mm-hmm. and someone had the sense to take it out. Yeah, and I was glad. Someone tricked Berman into like taking it out. Trick Berman. Yeah, they put a boob on it or something, and he had to. <laughs> he took it out of the office with him. Yeah, that seems about right. Uh-huh. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's everything. Uh, you want my quote? Uh, yeah. What do you got? Uh, this is. <laughs> This is them arriving in the bar for the very first time and uh, echoes something I think a lot about. We need their currency. What if you lose? I'll have to socialize with him. Yep. Three Vulcans walk into a bar. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, What was your alternate title? Vulcan House on the Prairie. Yeah, that works. You did have third rock from the sun up up. First. Yeah, and then I brought it up, and I'm then I brought it up like, in the yeah. episode, so I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm not going to come just, back to this. No, of course not. I get that. So you can all you can all be impressed by the fact that I thought this alternate title up while doing the show just now. Yeah, you were like, hey, I can't make that joke again. Uh huh. I don't usually do that. I usually, if I step on the joke that I was supposed to save for later, I just do it again. Mm-hmm. But, A little professionalism uh, around here. How about that? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> maybe next time. Yeah. The thing is, if the show tried harder, I'd probably try harder. Yeah. Um, my my alternate title yeah, was "To Paul's to All to Ale." It's pretty good. Thank you. All right, so that's it for this time. I do not know what we got next week. So, yep. Uh, I believe we're ha- we. I believe Flunk will be joining us. So he's I know probably staked out the good ones. Mm-hmm. Having seen ahead, so hopefully at least one of them will be good. Well, he's got a lot to answer for for this show. His favorite show ever. Uh-huh. Uh, also, uh, I know we've talked about this before, but a few people have asked us on Twitter recently and, and elsewhere. We will not be stopping our coverage of Enterprise to cover Discovery. No. Discovery comes after Enterprise in production order. We will be getting to it next June. Um, we are going to be watching it. Um have thoughts i'm sure but we're Uh probably going to hold like on on details until uh until we get to that next year yeah um i i have i i considered this and i think i'm going to do it i think i'm going to take some notes when when i watch it this week yeah it it airs as of this recording it will have already aired Mm. like as we record this it airs tomorrow but by the time you guys hear this it will have aired um i think i'm going to take some notes and then seal them up and then look at them again in in eight months or ten months or whatever it is and see how wrong and stupid I was. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because, because my mind always changes, and my first take is always the wrong one. Uh huh. So I think it might be an interesting experiment to to write my first impressions and then come back to it next year and and see if yeah. it's changed or not. So. So yeah, we will we will probably next week tell you at least our our initial impressions. Uh, yeah. But but in detail, you'll have to wait until episode three hundred whatever it is when we get there. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a little something to look time. forward to, folks. Ah. Yeah, hopefully. See how that goes. Uh huh. All right, that's all for this time. All right, see you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this. Mm-hmm.